Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everybody. Oh, let there be light. Uh, if um, you turn up at church and you're without a Bible, let me just encourage you. We've got some Bibles in the corner, and it's on page 1092 if you wanted to, uh, uh, to follow where we're going this morning from Acts chapter 1. Well, I read this as a quote from somebody. One person said, I can never pray for an hour, but I can never go an hour without praying. I don't know how that resonates with you, whether or not you are wanting to, to leap in some sort of judgmental uh, uh, state about this guy who can't pray uh, for an hour, or whether or not you thought actually there's a sense of, uh, of true spirituality about never being able to go a whole hour without bringing God into our situation as to where we're at. As a church, we believe in praying. Before Christmas, alongside the National Mental Health uh, Initiative, Britain Get Talking, we introduced a two-month focus on church, get talking. When we're stuck, we pray, don't we? Two of us. Brilliant. Okay, well, I'm the third. So the rest of you, you'll have to let us know how you handle that uh, without actually involving God uh, during those kind of times. Sometimes we pray so that things will not happen. Sometimes stuff just happens, doesn't it? And then we kind of pray for the knock-on effect of that or the outworking of that or what have you. Well, here's some occasions that's going to be shown to you on the screen uh, now where maybe people were just about to pray and certainly just about to pray or maybe they left the prayer a bit a little bit too late but then definitely had to pray. There you go. Interesting how some of those clips that are all quite tragic was met with hilarity uh, here at Dorchester Community Church. I don't know what's the matter with your sense of humour there. I wonder as you were watching those clips, at what point when you were kind of figuring out there's going to be something going to happen, going to be something that's going to happen. Now, particularly when you maybe see that ship coming for, when would you have turned to God to pray? And of course, with some of those clips, it was maybe a little bit too late. In this new year, we're thinking about our values as a church, and we started off by thinking about that value that there is where it starts up. You want to be a part of this church where you need to be a believer. And then last week, Paul rather brilliantly was unpacking that sense of our believing in worship. Now, of course, prayer is also part of our worship, but there was a different angle that Paul brought to that last week, and we're thinking about prayer specifically this morning. But because we've actually looked at uh, prayer over two months before Christmas, Christmas, and we're actually thinking about this from a slightly different uh, angle this morning. We know the first followers of Jesus prayed a lot. They must have been stuck and in panic many times, not maybe uh, having a a golf uh, cart just about to run them over uh, or a boat suddenly coming towards them, but they must have had that sense of, we just don't know what to do. Help God. Lord, Show us. And that came through in that reading that we had uh, this morning. Think about some of the background that was going on. Jesus had just died. They weren't really expecting that. This Jesus that they followed then came back to life. They weren't expecting that. And then they were gathered as a small group of of an 11 followers with Jesus. And suddenly as they were worshipping, what happened? This Jesus got taken up from right before their very eyes in what we call the ascension. And if you're from an Anglican tradition particularly, uh, you will remember those times of, of there being ascension day that, that's celebrated. That's what that's uh, referring to. 
What must that have been like? You ever wondered that? So many big milestones that were going on. And then, oh, he's, he's gone. Well, what now? Ever thought about that? I reckon they must have turned to God in prayer. Now they're all alone. Jesus says that he's going to come back one day. Yes, that's great. But now they're all alone. What next? Well, what are they going to do? What about when there's been a big milestone for ourselves? We have 40 years worth of kind of like a milestone to a new building. And then we're here and thinking, oh, what, what now? Lord, show us. Is a good ongoing prayer for us as his people to think about. What about those first few disciples? What were they going to do? Watch TV, update their Facebook uh, status or whatever the equivalent was back then. Until Jesus returns, we should be a praying people. And if you're one of those, good on you. Keep going and take others with you in that journey. We read in uh, verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, they continued praying together. They'd already been doing that. And as they had just returned from seeing Jesus ascend into heaven, we can probably assume that they prayed immediately after he had ascended. Matthew chapter 28 tells us that they were in that sense of worship. There would have been prayer, I'm sure, as a big part of that. But no doubt now they've thrown again. They are having that worship uh, time with their risen Jesus and suddenly he's gone again. What this time? What are they going to do? There's that sense of their need of direction and purpose. Big build up. Then it happens. This Jesus is no more. Well, God, where are you? Not just Jesus, where are you? Are you going to be coming back? Hey, come on. That, 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 that's that's a, a, you know, enough of that. Come back. God, where are you? And we could maybe well understand their fear and their confusion. And they're not knowing what to do at all. Maybe God does something in our own uh, lives, and that's amazing, that's incredible. We would have probably each had different spiritual experiences that have been very precious to us on our own journey. We praise God, and that's right that we do that. But it's then not long before we sense again and afresh our own sense of need for him to, to repoint us or to redirect us in terms of what happens next. It can happen in our own uh, churches as well. I've been to a number of prayer meetings where uh, there's been someone that said, look, before we go into any kind of list about our needs and our sense of God, could you this, that and the other? Let's just focus only on praising God. Or it may well be that someone that would be leading such a meeting would say, all we are going to do is just declare our adoration and worship of God. Or somebody else might be leading a meeting, they may well say, before the shopping list, let's just recognise our state before God and have a time of confession. It doesn't take very long before someone either mishears or can't stomach their only being that because we're wanting to burst forth with what me and my needs are, again, in terms of the shopping list. And I'm no different in that regard. What about these first few disciples then? 
There had just been, we can assume from the text, the 11 apostles at the ascension when they prayed. And there are times when it's good for leaders to come together just for that sole purpose, uh, to pray. If you're not in that role, that's okay. You pray for those who are. Uh, I like the, uh, the person that said, if you want a better pastor, pray for the one you've got. If you want better trustees, pray for those that you've got. If you want a better cafe team, pray for those that you've got. If you want better community kids, leaders, teaching our kids, pray for those you have got. Yes, we're to be involved in other means of support as well, obviously. But prayer is a vital place where all of that starts. It's all about partnership, isn't it? Not just those who are doing the hands-on stuff. It's together that we get to see God more clearly. And that's our theme as an undercurrent that will uh, travel through with us through uh, the year together. And then we read in Acts chapter 1 that then others join them. There were some women there, Mary and Jesus' brothers. We don't know anything about what they prayed. We can speculate uh, at best, but it still wasn't the whole church that were together. There was the 11 plus then Others who were gathered in. Maybe others who were in the next level of like an inner core. Maybe it was those who were most fired up. Maybe it was those who just happened to be there. Or maybe it was those who had a gift, a passion and a heart for prayer. Where such people who have that passion and have that gift meet to pray. Let's bless them for that. Let's encourage them to do that. If you're one of those people, keep doing what you are doing. Please don't feel any sense of superiority or pointing the finger at others who are not like you or not able to commit in that way like you because you've been given a gift that others maybe haven't or maybe others' time or their set of circumstances is just simply different and their gifts maybe lie elsewhere. It's very easy to attend a churchy anything, isn't it? And feel a sense, if we're not careful, of kind of spiritual superiority and self-righteousness over and above those who couldn't be bothered to make. We don't know why others are not able to come. If you're one of those who's able to pray, keep doing that. We scrapped our regular monthly prayer meeting Because less than 5% of the church were turning up to pray. But what we have said is we want to build in and to encourage a sense of there being 24-7 ownership to being a people of God who seek to meet together to pray. So when you're gathered together as a two or three, in whatever capacity that is, build in prayer as a part of that. doesn't matter what it is. It could well be you're turning up on a Tuesday afternoon for a game of Scrabble. Why not? with the two or three gathered around the table, say, you know what, why don't, we, why don't we just commit this afternoon for whoever may well come into the cafe area to God? It doesn't take rocket science to be able to do that. But it's a reminder, isn't it, as to why we're here. If you have a heart to pray, gather other like-minded people together to pray. We did have a prayer at life group. We don't have a prayer life group now, but I'm thrilled that those people who used to meet as a part of that still meet to pray. Maybe you've got a prayer partner. Meet with that prayer partner. Maybe you haven't got a prayer partner, but there's somebody that you respect. Why not speak to them about, is this something that we can do? Or others, I know of you, meet as a prayer triplet. 
That's all of value. The third occasion in Acts chapter 1, that there's a meeting here for prayer, it's the whole church, although they weren't known as church then. They were known as the believers, as there was no church pre-Pentecost. There was still that sense of life, but maybe a bit like an unborn child. We know there's life, but, but not having gushed forth out into the world yet. And before Pentecost and that outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the church had not been fully birthed. But we read in verse 15 of Acts chapter 1, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group of around about 120. That's probably about... uh, All the rest of these empty chairs, like 20 empty chairs that are then filled. So that was the kind of group of people that were there. So wider than that initial group and then the next level of group. And Peter then stood up amongst uh, all of that group. And the fact that he stood up amongst the believers implies to me that that was not an accidental meeting or an accidental taking charge, but a planned and purposeful meeting. I love the phrase where someone once said that we don't need meetings that don't meet needs. Very easy to just meet for the sake of it, isn't it? A bit pointless though. Good to reevaluate and pray through. Is this one of the things that God wants us to do, either individually or as a church? We should be regularly doing that. What was the purpose here? Well, the purpose here was about a recognition of God's calling someone else into leadership. Judas, the traitor, then was no more. So there was a gap. And they wanted God to show them, which is why they had prayed, Lord, show us about who it was that was right to bring into that post. Peter brought forth God's word. Then they prayed, we read in verse 24. We can have all the discussion in in the world. We can have all our head knowledge that we can bring to the table, all our experience. But as a people of God, it was right that all of the believers then, they all then prayed. Why? Because they wanted God's person in this particular role at this particular time. And that's how we should be praying throughout every avenue and activity and ministry in the church here. Lord, show us. Because a person who is right for that area is not right for that area, and so forth. Each of us have gifts. Each of us have other areas that, let's be honest, we're absolutely rubbish in. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Don't sign up for something that you're no good at, or don't like, or don't want to do. That won't be of a blessing to you or anybody else. So they wanted God's person for that element of leadership. I thought I'd just press the pause button there to just flag up because we've got a number of different people who's joined us since we moved here to Painbury and think about our own leadership structure here. We've been thinking about this. uh, We've chatted around the table at trustees meetings about how we operate because there's a a shift in terms of how now we're needing to operate here uh, that wasn't in place in our previous building. Now, biblically, the leaders of the church and the elders, who are they? Who are they here? Hello? Thank you. Somebody's pointing at me. I'm one of them. Yeah? Who else? Paul. That person over there. Paul, stand up. Okay, that's Paul. Give Paul a round of applause. Yeah, there, there we go. Okay, we've got Glyn. That was another name I heard. Glyn, up you get. And down again, it's Glyn. Okay, who else? Chris? Where's Chris? There he is. Round of applause for Chris. Who else we got? 
Martin, point to him. Yeah, stand up. Okay, and we've got David, who's normally over there, but he's not here at the moment. Okay, so that's your elders. Okay, legally, in terms of the year that we're in and the here and that, the trustees are those people who seek to manage the charity that we call Dorchester Community Church. There's no biblical reference to trustees anywhere, but I tell you what, we would be lost without that group as well as the legal necessity that we have for them. We've then got a group of deacons. Now, without wishing to embarrass all of them one by one, if you're a deacon, you're here this morning, would you please stood yourselves up? Come on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Right, okay. And there's a few others as well. You can sit yourselves down now. Brilliant. Now, the deacons are there to support the elders. That's the biblical mandate from that you get from Acts uh, chapter 6. They support uh, the elders, which is great. and do a lot of the practical detail, which is fantastic. But the, And they also feed into the elders. But there's another group that exists that then is in support of the trustees that feeds into uh, the, uh, uh, the, the trustees as well, called our building management group. There's a whole host of stuff that goes on here in terms of managing this brand new building. That's just something in terms of the way we operate here. And certainly that that building management group is vital for how we operate. Now, the distinction is simply in terms of role. And that's important that we recognise that. Different people with different gifts for different roles. How is it that you hear me introduce myself on a Sunday? And I deliberately didn't this morning because I didn't want you to remember that. How do I introduce myself? One of the leaders, that's right. I don't say, ladies and gentlemen, here I am, da-da, I'm the... No, I'm one of. That's really important. Why do you think I do that? Oh my goodness, all these voices. Great having some response. Yep, so... Because I'm part of a team? Absolutely right. Biblically speaking, leadership is always plural. Did you know that? Practically speaking, I want to share the blame. I've got another five guys now that can actually, I can point the figure to sign 16.666 recurring of that group, which is wonderful. We want to operate biblically and yet within the legal parameters that the government sets for charities. Now we can release the pause button again. Is that all right? As we delve back in to Acts chapter 1. Discerning the right people for leadership came about from God's People praying. Then they prayed. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands as to how many of us are praying for the next set of leaders when we meet together at our AGM or meet together then in October. Start praying now. God, who are you speaking to about those different roles to be added in to that team. Peter was the preacher or the speaker or the chair of the believers, whatever uh, title he had we don't know. He unpacked God's word, he explained their purpose for meeting, the leaders then led prayer for God's direction but all of God's people were involved and that back then was 120. There was that sense of partnership and journey together. Regarding the value of prayer, we can see that there can be different people, therefore, and different numbers that were praying for different purposes at different times. More importantly, we should all know that for ourselves to do God's work, we need to pray. We spent about two months, didn't we, thinking about how. So I'm not going to rattle off a two-month teaching series now, but if you missed any of that... Click back in to what we looked at over November and December, where mornings and evenings were very different. What was their prayer? It was simply this. Lord, show us. 
Lord, show us. Looking to him and asking him to speak, to lead and to guide. A beautiful dependence on God and a beautiful desire to get it right. There were prayer... There was prayer for those people that were then going to be fulfilling uh, that role. One of the things as we were going through, uh, we looked at the whole uh, book of Acts on one Sunday evening. And one of the things that struck me was each time uh, uh, Paul set up elders in in places of of new churches, they then had a sense of laying on of hands for them and being prayed for. I thought, we don't always do that. So that's a bit of a confession, really, because that strikes me as something that would have been a very positive uh, thing to have done. So we're going to make up for lost time, and we're going to do that because we've recently had two new elders come into post, Glyn and Martin. Uh, And then when we were talking about this, Paul said, well, nobody ever prayed for me nearly two years ago. So when we prayed for his his bitter spirit, um, we, we thought we would actually include Paul with that as well. Matthias in Acts chapter 1 was added. What did the church do when people were added into that team? They laid hands on those elders and they then prayed for them. And that's what we're going to do together this morning. As a whole church, gathered together like the 120 were gathered, but we've asked Dave Enright and Roger Collins to lead this through. I'm personally very grateful for the ministry and time and years that Roger and Dave gave into helping to lead this church. We're missing their godly wisdom as a group of six. And it seemed really appropriate as they, in one sense, symbolically are handing the baton on to others to to ask them to lead this time uh, together. So we're going to do that. I'm going to hand over to Dave and to Roger, and they're going to be specifically praying for Martin and for uh, Glyn and for Paul. Praise God. What a lovely opportunity to do this. Well, I'd like to, first of all, call out um, those uh, elders that we're going to pray for, Paul and Glyn uh, and Martin. They could come and join us. Yeah. So in in the uh, letter to Titus, Paul instructs the the elders that are to be appointed, that elders are to be appointed in every town. Uh, And in Acts 14, the appointed elders were prayed for and commended to the Lord. In the letters to Timothy, we find the life that elders are to lead and that they must have a tried and tested faith and have received gifts of the Holy Spirit. The office of eldership brings responsibility for seeking the Lord's will and receiving the Holy Spirit's guidance, direction and vision in respect of the church. The appointing of elders is in recognition of the anointing of God. So it doesn't start here. We are recognising that these men have been anointed by God for this office. And this morning we endorse that by presenting to you Glyn, Martin and Paul. Here they are. Uh, And uh, we are also going to lay on hands 
for their blessing as scripture instructs us. Shall we pray? Our Father, this morning we turn to you to pray for our new elders, Paul, Martin and Glyn. Since the time of the apostles, you have inspired the church to appoint members of your church to assist in particular ways in its mission. We give you thanks for how you have blessed your church, for how you are continuing to build and shape us, and for giving us the joy today of praying for these men who serve your church. We would ask that you would bless them that they may know true humility and be faithful in their service for you. Remind them of the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in fulfilling the ministry you gave to him, he came to serve rather than be served. He sought the needs of others rather than seeking his own. He ministered to people without prejudice and with courage and determination. He loved unconditionally. We ask, Lord God, that you pour generously into their lives, that your Holy Spirit fill them with your love and compassion, so that they may see their brothers and sisters as you see them, and that they are equipped to carry out all the duties that you have appointed them to fulfil. Lord God, we pray for these elders, and indeed all of your people here, that you would fill us anew with your Holy Spirit, so that we will be hearers and doers of your word, ministers of all people, friends of the poor, voices of the voiceless, and servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in your holy name, and for your glory. Amen. Now, lay our hands on these brethren, as the Lord gives us the authority to do. Oh Lord, this morning we bring before you Paul, Martin, and Glyn. And pray the Holy Spirit will be strong in each one of them. Bless you, Lord. Equipping them with the individual gifts that will uphold their ministry. We pray for the wives and ask for an anointing upon them also, O Lord, that they may be able in that sense to strengthen and support those of their husbands who have been elected to this position. We pray protection over them against the attacks of the enemy. We pray protection over them against the attacks of the enemy and commend them to you now. Amen.
I think that's been an important thing uh, to do. Uh, you need to pray for these guys because they've got to work with me, for starters, so they need all the prayerful help that they can get. As those early followers said, Lord, show us, we're going to now personalise that same prayer for ourselves individually. It may well be that you've never thought about a leadership position or praying for somebody in a particular ministry. But each of us have got that Lord show us, that Lord show me sense of relevance for what is going on in our own lives. It's the same prayer, but it's recognising that God knows that what we're carrying individually matters to us. And we're needing his help and guidance. So as we come into a time of worship where we can respond to God, let's just spend some moments in stillness. As a church, we said, Lord, show us. And that's important that we still pray that prayer in an ongoing sense. But right now, we're going to say, Lord, show me. It could well be, Lord, show me who you want me to pray for. Lord, show me where you want me to serve. Lord, show me how to put things right at home. Lord, show me someone that I should be inviting here. Lord, show me what to do about that debt issue. Lord, show me. You can add and fill in the blanks. Let's just use this as the opportunity. Because the God who guided back then in Acts chapter 1 is the God who wants to speak into our lives, each of us individually. Lord, show us. But let's now pray. Lord, show me. Turn your own prayers to the Lord in silence of heart. No need to speak anything out. Let's make the most of this stillness. Could well be, Lord, show me how I might know you. Lord, show me how I can let go of my fear. Lord, show me.